Hi Venters, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Mic. This is a Vent music podcast series hosted by me, Freddie Cocker, and presented to you by Vent as part of the Just Checking In podcast. Vent is a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas, and start conversations. In each episode, I check in with artists across different music scenes in the UK and beyond. We talk all about their musical journeys, their artistry, and most importantly, the person behind the mic. My special guest for this episode of Behind the Mic is a musician, producer, and DJ called Le Dionysos. My regular listeners will know how much I love the modern funk and disco scene and the bands that are coming out of it, whether that's the likes of Another Taste, formerly known as Mad Honey, Tears, Cosmos Midnight, more experimental artists like Paco Versailles, or titans like Chromio and Tuxedo. Dion puts out brilliant Balearic disco and funk music that is an absolute joy to listen to, and I'm sure must be an experience to hear live too. Hailing from the Netherlands, Dion studied keys and production at the Conservatorium van Amsterdam, and in this episode we discuss his music journey, the positive narcissism in air quotes you need to be able to succeed in the music industry and persevere with it, how he fell in love with the medium of DJing and having one of his remixes played by the iconic and one of my favourite all-time DJs, DJ Harvey. For Dion's mental health, we discuss the challenge he felt going from high school to his music university and that transition, as well as the choice he made to spend an extra year in high school to prepare for university too. We then discuss the hole he fell into after completing university and figuring out what he wanted to do with his life full time. We finish by discussing growth and personal development and his outlook on his life now. So get yourself comfy and have a listen as I go behind the mic with Le Dionysos. Dion, welcome to Behind the Mic, mate. Thank you so much for coming on and letting me check in with you. Our chat off air was uh, suitably music nerd driven. First of all, how are you on this uh, Thursday morning, mate? Hey, Freddie. Thank you so much for having me. That's a great little intro. I'm great. Yeah, just took a nice walk in the park here and came on fresh. First cup of coffee. Feeling good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. I love to hear that. We've got loads to talk about and the disco and funk scene is my favourite genre of dance music, which you belong to. So without further delay, are you ready to start the show and talk all about it? Yeah, man. Let's get cracking. Let's start your pod as we always do on Behind the Mic, mate, by talking about your music journey. So tell me first, and I ask all my special guests on this topic this question first, how your love affair with music began, what were some of your favourite records growing up, maybe some music idols or inspirations, and when you first got into producing or playing instruments? Uh, that's a great one. It goes back a long way. Yeah, the first memory I've had was New Year's Eve when I was probably about six or seven, and I could stay up really late and watch some television maybe it was two or three o'clock in the morning it was really late for my age and then oscar peterson had a show on television with an orchestra and he was just jamming and just swinging so hard and it, yeah there was something so cool about being up late first of all as a kid 
this kind of uh, something you don't get to do that often. And then, then somehow it'd be so cool in the nighttime. I thought, if this is what adults do, I, I want to do that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> something that you may not know about as children. Mm. And uh, yeah, that really started things off with the blues and the piano. And piano is my main first instrument. And yeah, it, that's just uh, where things really started and then later on playing on jam sessions with the older people when i was maybe 13 in the local bar here or in uh, in my hometown and just really diving in and falling flat on my face and <laughs> being terrible but coming back later a month later or so and recognizing the tunes they're playing the singers know and stuff i thought if i just get to know these songs you know i can sit in with the guys who are doing this for years and coming back more and more, I, I just started to take more of a risk every time. Started soloing at some point because that was really where you get the most credits, you know, when you we do a solo and everybody wants to be the most badass or something. But it's a long journey from not knowing anything to being able to sit in about any song with just using your ears. So that really was a great first couple of lessons in failing and, and thriving you know and when it comes to singing because you're an artist in your own right you're a producer you're a dj how did that branch of your artistry develop because imagine you were just a musician first right yeah yeah it started with the piano but yeah and i never really sung until my first band i think it went pretty parallel to each mm-hmm. other but the singing has always been a bit of a yeah, it takes more effort, you know, and, <laughs> and also more balls. Really, yeah, 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 definitely. You have to really go fully for it. That's been a journey that still is, you know, going on stage. You have to be locked in with the things you know, and that takes a lot of willpower and courage every time. When it comes to your music education, mate, you studied at the prestigious Conservatory of Amsterdam at University in Keys and Production. So... What did you learn during this period of your life versus all the local bands where you were trying a lot, failing a lot, and then learning a lot, and then trying a lot and failing a lot? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, conservatory was a super interesting time because before that, school was not about what I wanted and more about what people want you to do and learn. And then going to the conservatory, I thought it would be more about, yeah, what I wanted to do, (laughs) but... Unfortunately, that was not little really did the you case. Know, mate. <laughs> <laughs> little did I know it wasn't. It wasn't about what I wanted to do, and that was a great lesson in a way because yeah, there's there's a big thing about what would be the reason to start wanting to be heard, wanting to be listened to. You know, what's that reason? What's your why? Yeah. And what's your why? You know, you want to be cool. You want to belong to something, something you think is cool. But to, to learn how to get there, you need tools. And they have a lot of tools at the conservatory, a lot of experience. And there's lots to be learned from, from more experienced people. And yeah, you, you hear it in the way they play. And people come from other places and still being able to communicate with music. That was very interesting. I think that showed me a lot listening to other people's ideas and their process, you know, and develop a system to not just be <laughs> having it be all luck, you know. Mm. <laughs> playing and that was great after university you did what every good music nerd does and you started your dance music education so you started going to clubs and festivals and sort of expanding your horizons so what did you discover that you liked the selectors was playing 
on those very nice sound systems that maybe not just crystallized your desire to be a musician, but also perhaps made DJing an avenue you wanted to explore <laughs> or producing. <laughs> yeah, well, I was very lucky to stumble upon a certain DJ called DJ Harvey. Oh, uh, and I, my I, one I, true love. <laughs> and it was, Honestly, he's my favorite DJ of all time. Right. Yeah, I think you're not the only one, mate. It was funny because I played at this exact venue maybe two or three times with my bands. And I went there every summer when I was a kid from 13 or from when I was able to drink 18, 20, 21. Before I started clubbing or discovering club scene, he just literally wandered into what I thought was my backyard because I (laughs) rode a bicycle to the place cool. and then bit of the... those Dutch stereotypes eh mate <laughs> <Cycling laughs> well you do everything on a bicycle here but <laughs> well yeah he brought his huge mirror ball it was insane it was just next level and I had a quick chat with him after the show and well that was pure magic just the friendliness and the presence of love and source and that guy just radiated with it was so not addictive, but... Uh, Validating, wanted... maybe. They always say, like, don't meet your heroes, but did that really shatter <laughs> that illusion? Like, that was, everything you thought he would be? Kind of, not yeah. the case, you know. I just only recently discovered that in the studio, which is where I spend a lot of my time, the audience comes last, you know, and then playing it live or trying to communicate your project with other people, the audience comes first. So where your ego can be very important in the beginning and just be all about you you have to really shift that and especially as a dj it's all about connecting with audience and with other producers and just you're basically a vessel that the music goes literally speaks through you you don't have a sound Mm -hmm. because you can be all the sounds from all these people who crafted their sound yet there is a sound because (laughs) you play all these guys and when i heard dj harvey uh, that sound was so so distinct and so powerful and the message was so clear what he wanted to tell through other artists and i thought this is not just a mirror of those artists this is an extension of them Mm. and this guy can make things better without the artist even knowing so there was a depth to it and i started to discover way more music as a as an artist you are obsessed with one or two artists, musician, as a musician especially, just have a hero, one hero. And that becomes very tunnel vision. I thought, I'm going to study this guy better than anyone else, you know. And for me, it was D'Angelo. But what I discovered in the club, that all these influences can come together and um, become a bigger thing than just one person. And all the inspirations from that person and everything next to it, it's all environment and, again, connecting with mm. producers, different types of music that's so much more powerful than uh, when done right than mm. just indulging in one favorite artist. Let's talk about your journey as Le Dionysos, which I butchered the name of in the intro. So Dionysos, hopefully I got perfect. that one right. Perfect. Where did the inspiration for the name come from, first of all, mate? And how would you describe your sound for the listeners who haven't heard of you? Dionysos comes from uh, the Greek god of the wine and the orgies. And Le is a French-European flick to the name, basically. And where it comes from, yeah, the name or the god was a specific god for a specific purpose, which the Greek spiritual world had a lot of different gods for different sources. And after that, 
time, so to speak, when the Romans, they replaced God for pleasure with a fear of not going to heaven or or making pleasure a sin almost is a perfect analysis An- analogy 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 for yeah, yeah. <laughs> analogy for going out in the night and everybody knows that you're gonna wander into some unknown territory mm. but you're doing it for the 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 human fun, the, the very human needs to yeah. have joy and experience pleasure i don't think that's a bad thing i think love is there to enjoy and that's where living is for you know yeah. So you wanted the name and your artistry to maybe be a conduit as well for other people to experience love and connection and for sure. through the name. Yeah, yeah, and, like and, and just remember that it's part of life and doing it, it in a responsible way and have conversations like we do now about it as well. Then it can become a healthy thing, I think. So mm. I always ask this question on Behind the Mic, Dion, to expose the myths and show the realities of being a producer or a DJ or, or an artist in this world. So what are some of the realities of this life that you've experienced positively or negatively that's impacted you that you can share with the listeners, whether it's about work-life balance, whether it's about relationships, daily mental health, or something else entirely? Oof, that's a very big question. I Mm. think you ended it with relationships. Mm -hmm. And the way other people view you as a producer is not important. As a person, it's not important. And I think the most productive, the most net positive thing to Mm -hmm. do is to have a good relationship with the world and your own person and your own work and working on that that relationship you have is i think the most important as a first as a base and in this work you work with other people and working with people requires a lot of knowledge experience and shouldn't be taken lightly i think shouldn't be about you or the other person or about your place in music i think we're serving the music and sometimes it helps to not have it all be all about your id but just have the best ideas win you know it's such a simple simple thing but i think it's overlooked and yeah just show up trying to be the best person to do the job try to be that at least and yeah i just found working hard on that part on the thing I can control and not things like an outcome or anything else has helped me tremendously with being on this journey as a producer. And when it comes to producing itself, what impact does playing music, singing or DJing have on your mental health and which outlet out of all of those perhaps helps you the most? Oh, that's great. I think they all help me fall in love with the music and that's they bring different perspectives and different inspirations and it can be overwhelming at some times to see all these different angles of music when you're playing you're right into it when you're listening you're experiencing it just as a listener yeah and just being a good listener is already so big you know as a dj i think yeah again listening is the red line I don't know if that's a saying through it. The one which helps you most doing that is, I think, I don't know, it's raised my capacity for listening Mm. to all these different outlets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's my take on it. And what does the stage provide for your mental health when you are performing? Is it escapism? Is it something else? Um, 
Well, you can always choose to escape in music and being on a stage, I would say, is a place for people to help fall in love with the music. And to me, listening works greatest when you are with other people who are also getting it, hearing it for the first time. When you hear something for the first time, I think there's only one first time, you know, and doing it in a perfect setting can really help. If I'm listening to a track in the daytime, it feels totally different than when I do it at night or when it's 3 a.m. And hearing it being played live is the highest form, I think, to bring a song or to experience a first time or something. I think there's no filters there and that can help tremendously with escaping and losing all the distractions of the day Mm -hmm. of the other things. To me, it's it's also just being in that headspace on a stage is to me, it helps me and helps other people. And I think that's a circle that just goes around. We spoke earlier about DJ Harvey and I'm right in saying that he actually played one of your remixes in one of his sets. How special a moment was that for you? Oh, well, I wasn't there, but uh, <laughs> he almost every night now plays one of our edits and first time that was crazy i almost don't remember the first time it was oh no i do it was in england during covid and the world looked like it was very very still and there was no parties going on at all and and here there was one insanely huge big party i don't know can't recall the venue but that was special and i helped a bit on this track and yeah i thought well here we go i'm tuning into a frequency i think he helped me see and helped define and shape this picture in my mind that I have for music. And I try to go there in the studio with help of a great producer, Pete Blaker. I mean, I more help him, so to speak, than he helps me. But Harvey did play a single of mine, Wanderlust, probably my favorite tune I made. And when making it, I think I had something like euphoric dance floor in mind. And those nights are so special, they become your DNA. And I think the DNA of that life of the party, so to speak, is in that tune. And when he played it in LA in, uh, I think it was, uh, or now in 24, it was two years ago. When he played that single, I I, I really thought like, like, it was so crazy. But I know how to make music and how to go there. So for Harvey, recognizing that, for me, that was insane. Did it feel like a full circle moment for you, considering how you had started off and you were chatting to him as like a really young musician and now he's playing one of your songs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's how that would feel, yeah. (laughs) I think that's exactly a well-put full circle moment. Yeah, it's constantly exchanging, depending on where you are in the moment in that circle. I'm constantly trying to be in it (laughs) as a producer and... So when the two met, I thought it was a great moment. Yeah, for sure. Let's reflect on your music journey so far, mate. So what has it taught you about yourself, do you think? Oof. Oh, I think the most recent thing was you pay a price and ignorance tax, so to speak, for the things you don't know that could help you. Just, just like I said, I don't know how to get a lot of streams, but I do know uh, <laughs> how to play in other circles and I learned that it's about relationships and about connecting with other people and steps to take to stay true to my circles, so to speak. But also 
learning that there's this ignorance tax I'm paying for not knowing how to do certain things. And I think that starts with willpower. I think that's a really big thing people don't see in trying to chase their dream or vision is that you have to build this willpower thing and do things you don't like to do but have to do and you get better at those things and you get better as a person i think the thing of growth is the the most important topic of developing myself as a musician and developing as a musician i think constantly learning from other people's mistakes and from other people's lessons i think that's the biggest thing i started reading about three years ago two three years ago and that really has transformed my ability to learn things i was a terrible terrible student at school i just wanted to play music and i was obsessed with that kind of stuff but the obsession taught me you can be obsessed with things and then learning comes easy and it was always easy to do the thing i wanted to do the most but that has been very lucky for me i feel very lucky that i found that thing you know but you only get so far with talent and with being uh, at the right time, the right place. You have to develop that part of willpower, I think, to grow and to be able to fail in front of other people and to take that step to put yourself out there. And yeah, like the beginning of the conversation, going out there to a cafe when I was 13 years old and just wanting to be good enough to hang with those cats yeah that never really got away and that's the big lesson i think stay a bit hungry and be willing to grow and fail and yeah it's so cliche but there's so many levels to being a musician and i'm not there yet i really think there's a lot of ground to cover still and and that makes it exciting every day for me to really go hard at it and not in a way that i feel like I need this and I have to do this more in a way that I'm already great. I'm already good at what I do, but I can learn from so many things, get better every day. You know, that's been big. We've talked about Le Dionysos. Let's go behind the mic and talk about your own mental health journey, Dion. So I ask all my special guests on this topic, this question first. Take me back to early life in the Netherlands, childhood, teenagers, and looking back, were there any early mental health experiences we can pinpoint? Who's the Dion we meet here? Great question. So yeah, early, I just remember doing a lot of sports and a lot of end of school activities. And that kept me going and it kept me improving on all different facets of my life in sports but also in communicating and teamwork i think that's very important I, mm-hmm. I kind of lost that when i got older as i think many people do but to have had the experience of doing something a lot gives you the confidence you can do it again and that is a great thing i i look back on on my childhood i think even though I chose to do this solitary studio work or be a musician, which is mostly working together, but a lot of it is still on your own. Yeah, I, I made a mistake at one point thinking I could do it all by myself and then isolating myself too much. 
when you were in high school, mate, you made the choice to spend an extra year there to improve your artistry. So why did you take that decision? And also on the flip side, although you're improving your skills, did you get any sort of fear of missing out as all of your peers, most of them went off to university or some ended up getting kind of full-time jobs and making money? Yeah, I wasn't really missing that because I felt like I was more missing out of the on the gigs and on everything the musicians were doing at that time and I felt like school was just a boring boring thing and a waste of time and doing an extra year meant I could kind of slack a little in the year I was in at that moment and I didn't find it annoying to miss anything and I knew I would get something bigger in return mm. for it in my case. Despite that mate you have to have a pretty good sense of not only self-confidence but belief in your ability to have that mindset at that age. Where do you think that came from? For sure. I think that comes from my parents putting that in myself, probably believing in myself. And yeah, as a kid, you definitely need that. You don't need all the worries. They'll they'll come later, you know. (laughs) They'll come later in life when everything overwhelms you and you'll notice how much work it will cost to get anything done with your dreams because nobody really cares about those dreams. Only you do. That's why it's your dreams. I think God showed you that vision and it is up to you to build your self-esteem back. And that's why it's, of course, also called (laughs) self-esteem. You have to work on it. Yeah. And that's what I keep doing to this day. When you got to university and the conservatory where you studied, did you feel vindicated by that decision, having done the extra year because of how you were compared to your peers? Or were you just at the same level as them? You're like, so you're like, maybe thank God I've done the extra year. I'm not playing catch up. Right. Yeah, I felt like some of those guys were a bit better than me, more talented, for sure, but not working harder than I did. And I definitely had an advantage over those who came straight from school, but there weren't a lot of them, I found out. There were a lot of people who still were three years older than me, started at that point, but they were in a better place in their growing up. I feel like those older guys, they didn't have the getting in your own way as I had, where I was still basically a kid who now could do music full time. They already figured out they had struggled a bit without any support. And here I was going from school to school without any, well, with a year extra, but without any fill of support, basically. I want to fast forward to after university now because it's a difficult period for any person's life unless they are one of those lucky few who get this coveted grad scheme job and end up in finance or something straight away, right? Most of us don't. And when you finished university, you said you fell into a hole. Just tell me what you meant by that and who's the Dion we meet at this point? Yeah, I maybe thought I would have it figured out at that point when I would end school. And uh, that's probably where I, I miscalculated a bit and wasn't, yeah, just wasn't had enough experience in life to figure out that these things don't go, that only a very few amount of people can start right away at, with the, all the support they get. And yeah, when I fell into that hole, I really had to look at my foundation and look back at what I was learning. It was that helping me get there quicker instead of being distracted and 
having a lot of uh, was the delaying of uh, the work uh, delay gratification uh, sort of thing no i mean putting the work away every time you know not doing the work mm. procrastinating and, and procrastinating yeah, yeah of course <laughs> i was just so simple but yeah i was procrastinating a lot mm. and i kept on doing that feeling like i was working every day every night but really i wasn't getting any further not at all basically so i wasn't really super brutally honest with myself i think that's also part of being so young to be able to succeed in the music industry even moderately you need something which i call but definitely probably haven't coined positive narcissism so tell me how you develop that quality in yourself and how hard is it to a remain patient and persevere but b also not let it become out of control where you do end up like that artist who is completely just self-obsessed and narcissistic and doesn't care right. about anyone else right yeah the way you're communicating your ideas is from your own interest but then also sometimes you're very direct and all about the material and communicating very direct saying this is the problem this is what you need to solve do this do that you know that can come across really harsh if somebody's like yeah we're gonna make some music it's gonna be fun and i'm gonna help you you're gonna help me and then if you have a long relationship with someone you can do these kind of things you have to really be careful when you're communicating to the mm. right people in the right way and i've lost some sleep over that for sure but overall that's the urgency of your problems and them needing to be solved and the skills you have to communicate the things that has to be done mm. first so learning to communicate better is something i'm still valuing very highly i guess another part of this is if you have this belief and then the dream is achieved, however way you want to measure it, fine. But as we've seen with so many artists, what comes along with that is fame. And when you lose fame or you start to become irrelevant, all of these artists have this massive identity crisis and a whole load of other mental health issues spiral off the back of that. Have you seen that happen in any artist that you're aware of? And how do you oh, think sure. you'll try and manage it yourself? For sure. Oh, yeah, great one. I understand people who are snappy, who are irritated quickly when they have bits of success because there's more stakes involved. Mm -hmm. There's higher accountability for more people who, again, their dreams. So I understand when you're an entrepreneur or when you're a business undertaker, you'll find setbacks all the time loads of them and it's it just starts to be normal you have to calculate on it but i can also figure out that once well sometimes it'll be too much and then people snap but it's not always possible to find yourself at your best because you're doing this 24 7 for months and on end on little sleep a little pay so it's difficult you know i do understand but when you have too early of too much success too early i see the most people taking it for granted and yeah, thinking success is normal and yeah, that's something too <laughs> too easy. Yeah, when the rug's and, pulled out from under them, it can be uh, a very big wake-up call and a very dangerous one, especially for their mental health. I want right. to talk about now and finish with talking about self-development and growth. So tell me how you've grown as a person and a musician alongside your mental health and what resources or tools have you used to develop that? Great one. I've started reading after... 
way too long, basically. I remember going to the library when I was a kid and just wanting to play with toys and stuff. Now I'm just realizing that how much there was in that library, which was a huge freaking library. And there was probably, if I had the tool to educate myself and know that there was this vast abundance available, then I would probably have picked up a book, <laughs> at least, and found one that I would enjoy or get something out of. And the skill to self-learn is probably the biggest thing, because how do you know which book to read? How do you know what questions to ask to who? It's just trial and error. And, and I hope everyone finds the right person to ask those questions to, because I've met a lot of the wrong persons mm. and followed a lot of the wrong advices. And it took me years basically but yeah i'll just say you have to make your luck in that way and find resourcefulness that's the only skill you need you spoke there about asking the right questions of people and who to turn to what have these books or other self-development tools made you ask questions of yourself yeah that's a great question the biggest question i asked oh good one i probably don't get that one out of the top of my head it's, it's probably a pivotal moment you're asking mm. i think i stumbled upon yeah someone and i may have quoted this before but mm -hmm. the thing you're trying to reach the goal you're you're trying to get to you can make an equation of the thing you want and the thing you have right now and the thing is required from you to get there is basically the text of the lack of the knowledge you have mm -hmm. Basically, ignorance tax is what Alex Formosi calls it. It's the price you pay every day for not having the piece of knowledge or skill you have lacked in mm -hmm. acquiring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Put it in words. And finding that out, I think you can learn to do everything or find people who are very good at things you need to do. Let's reflect on your mental health journey, mate. So first of all, similar question as my first topic. What has this mental health journey taught you about yourself? Um, looking at the past, the lessons I've learned from those and the opportunity that are in front of me that I have to take to get further every day. That's a big one, I think. Just reflecting. And I've even collected like some traumas along the way in discovering the way the world really works in what way and, and putting yourself out there but I feel like it's the only way to start going and start doing it and it'll cost you some health but it'll also learn you the lessons you'll need to learn that eventually probably someday I'll be a bit wiser <laughs> hopefully one day mate hopefully, one day hopefully. <laughs> and as a final question mate if you could go back and talk to the Dion who had to take that extra year in school the Dion who was in music university at the conservatory trying to complete his degree or the Dion who was in that hole, not knowing what he wanted to do with his life or feeling a bit purposeless or directionless. What would you say to him knowing what you do now? Yeah, that's a great one. I'd probably say don't force things that the universe don't want to do. But yeah, my old Dion doesn't have to know what I know now. I would say don't do anything too forced. You're working on it every day. Keep doing that. And laugh at your setbacks. <laughs> Basically, just laugh at it. Because one day you'll be like, this is not a big problem at all. 
Our final topic of conversation, Dion, and it's one I try and have with all of my special guests, if we have time. It is a general natter and quickfire chat about our mental health. So firstly, how is your mental health, mate? Oh, I'm super happy right now and working on that happiness every day. And I think can drive other people nuts, but I'm super, super fucking happy. Yeah. Love that, man. And what age were you when you became self-aware of your mental health and you realized that the feelings you were having weren't physical and they were actually in your mind? Oof. I saw things around me, I think, pretty early that I thought these are just people stuck in their way pretty young. I, was, mm. I think I was pretty young. And was it a eureka moment, like an instant thing, or was it a gradual process? It's been very gradual for me. Okay. But there's things that stuck, that stick to, to your stick brain. Stick in your head. Yeah, yeah, Stick yeah. in your head when you hear them and they make a big part of the direction you think you should be going. And can you remember the first conversation you had with someone about your mental health? So who was it with? What did you say? And how do you look back on it? Did it feel like on the one hand, this big moment oof, or a oof. weight had been lifted or on the other, something easy and normal to do? I think I was introduced to a coach by my mom at a very young age and I just cried. I just didn't know how to talk about emotions. Still have the wrong idea of it most of the time, but I'm getting there, getting better. It's okay. describing how you feel. And yeah. when you say, I think I feel like this or that, you're doing it from here and not from your underbelly. And mm. this has been so difficult for me. It's like learning how to talk again. But then, yeah, that's the, the reason I, I cried the first time. I think I just couldn't explain my feelings. What things do you find in life that trigger your mental health? So it could be things people say to you. It could be a sound, a particular smell or sensation. Or have you not figured all of them out yet? Oh, I still have a lot of things to figure out. I don't know anything, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost knowledge in itself, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I don't know anything, man. I just, yeah, just think that it doesn't matter what people think about you. It's the way you look in the mirror every day. It's the only thing, you know. And conversely then, what positive tools and methods do you use to improve your mental health or help you feel better? Which ones have worked for you? Maybe which ones that you've tried but haven't? I need a sense of urgency to get going and you encounter things or people that trigger you in a way and mm -hmm. how do you prepare for this? You just know that it is and will be and will come just like when you're sailing, the wind will come from one of 360 degree direction and you have to count on the unknown things and that's just armoring your mind with a sense of urgency and knowing that it could storm and it also could be no wind and you still have to get where you're going. That's the one side, the urgency side. And the other side, I think, starting from your relationships with the world and knowing that things will be fine, even if it won't be fine, it still will be fine. Mm. <laughs> it's these two worlds of fire and, and water, maybe. Mm. And knowing which to address at, at one point just to keep you going. You've given me a couple of really great quotes throughout this podcast. So what has been the best book or as I call it, mental health Bible you've read for your mental health? Now, it can be <laughs> self-help or mental health related. It doesn't exclusively have to be. And if you can't think of a book, a album or a TV show or any piece of popular culture. Oh, that's great. Um, what has helped me most? 
Um, let's look at the book closet for a moment. <laughs> uh, I think a big, big one. Yeah, probably Meditations by Marcus Aurelius was a pretty significant. He's saying a lot of the same thing, but the way he's approaching these things are so crisp and clear. And have you read any books it, by Ryan Holiday? He writes a lot about Stoicism. So, like the no, obstacle, I haven't yet. The Obstacle is the way. I would recommend that was really good. Yeah, I enjoy his content. Yeah, I'll send you his book after this. Hey, do that. Thanks, man. I, I will definitely read that. Also, of course, Robert Greene, his mentor. I just started the 33 Strategies of War, and I've ordered the, what is it, 48 Laws of Power? But I still have to, to start with that. Wow. These things are so powerful. And mm-hmm. there's a reason why they are banned in prisons, because your mind is so powerful that you can literally decide to not be a victim in a prison and spend your whole time there knowing the facade of being kept in power mm-hmm. and stuff. It's it's so crazy. I think mm-hmm. he just made a video about that. Mm-hmm. But people do this every day. They captivated, they're captured by their mindset. Mm-hmm. And when you read these powerful things, you free yourself. You wake up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You wake yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we've spoken about quotes there too. So if there was a mantra or a quote in life that summed up your mental health, Dion, what would it be and why? A quote. Uh, I wish I had one off the cuff. Mm. So if I'll give you an example. Like one of my favorite ones is a song lyric. You can see behind me, the listeners can't, but it's of oh. a Mac Miller quote that he so, says, if you, if you didn't make mistakes, you wouldn't get far. That's one of mine I live by. Uh, oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. Obstacles the way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Obstacles the way. Yeah. Amazing. That's a good one. No, I I couldn't give you one right now but i think i should should make one up (laughs) Uh, yeah no i think i'm not there yet to be quoted Uh, maybe in 10 years we do one and then then we can uh... quoting your song lyrics mate (laughs) (laughs) mate we manifested it on the pod maybe one day let's do it man yeah Yeah. no i sing in this one thing when you reach an all-time low or feeling like the world's about to blow just sing a song and count till 10 that's when your love will come and it will set you free again or something like that. There we go. I sing that. This is what I sing. Yeah, I believe in that. Too. I've got yeah. two questions left, mate. The first one is, what do you love about yourself? What do I love about myself? Like a quality wow. or a trait, anything you want. Um, I'm willing to learn. Okay. As a final question then, mate, this is another broad one. You can answer it any way you want. What more do you think we have to do to ensure men from all backgrounds, all nationalities, all walks of life feel comfortable and safe in opening up about their mental health issues or just talking about their general mental health if, most importantly, they want to do it? Ooh, that's a great one. That's a great one. Well, we need more listeners. And sometimes you have to be the person who's listening. And if you really listen carefully, you realize that everybody has problems and mm. everyone is struggling with basically the same things but not judging people yes. when they when they're saying things is mm. so difficult because because trust is very we, important for us as men isn't it and that first conversation can be massive if that goes wrong we might we might never talk about our problems again do you know what i mean massive, oh yeah yeah that's yeah. a great one yeah how do you do that because <laughs> i feel you're you're very very open about it you're accept the lessons you've learned 
you know what, mate? As a very basic level, I'd echo what you just said. It's about being non-judgmental. It's about listening to that person or that man. And in this case, when we're talking and they're talking to you because they've placed a lot of trust in you for that conversation. And I always say to people, listening is a very easy skill, but it's also a very hard skill. You know, active listening is a very hard skill to develop. And I I do believe that anyone can do it, but you have to develop it like any sort of tool or skill, because it's not just about listening. It's about responding to that person as they're talking, showing that you're listening, mirroring stuff back to them, reflecting on it. it. Yeah, reflecting it. Yeah, Mm. because sometimes the person already knows what they're doing wrong. Them just saying it and not having to anticipate to your response could give them the headspace to mm. to listen to mm. themselves talking mm. instead of just trying to fight for space yeah. in the conversation and they might work out themselves they might not they might you know need your advice or guidance but it's also about in that moment not inserting yourself into the conversation too right, i always make right. that really important because you know if you're talking to a friend or a colleague or whoever Sometimes it's really easy to go, oh, I, I've experienced that too or whatever. But actually, right. the important thing is not to do that and keep the focus on them because yeah. then they don't feel that, like you're taking it away from them. Or validating that you are an example of your environment. And that means that I could have experienced the same thing. You, I probably would have done the same mm-hmm. thing you've done. I mm-hmm. probably would have experienced the same emotions as you've experienced. So just being non-judgmental about mm-hmm. it. It's exactly. the right mindset, I think. And keeping the focus on them because then they validate themselves on their own terms. Yeah, that's powerful. Dion, it's been an absolute pleasure, bro. Thank you so much for coming on behind the mic and talking to me. Thank you so much for having me, man. It was a great conversation and I'll love to be on in uh, 10 years or maybe earlier. <laughs> Just keep going, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I think you're contributing to a very positive thing here and shining lights on a very very interesting subject and that needs to be talked more about and understood more and i think talking about it helps a lot thanks for the good work man appreciate you well that's all we've got time for on this episode of behind the mic i want to say a big thank you to dion for being my special guest on this episode and letting me go behind the mic with him I was struggling to pick a favourite track of his to play us out, but I've settled on over and over and I'll put all of Dion's streaming and social media links in the show notes. As always, I'll sign us off by saying, remember, if you've liked what you've heard, please give it a share on social media. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. If you're feeling generous, write us a review and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you like what we're doing here at Vent and want to support us further, you can go to our Patreon. That's www.patreon.com slash venthelpuk, all one word. Or you can go to our link tree. That's linktr.ee slash venthelpuk. Stay tuned for the next episode of Behind the Mic. And remember, guys, it is always okay to vent.
Thank you.